0: You're listening to the Lompoc Foursquare Church Podcast. John sixteen thirty three is uh, the verse that he quoted, and I'd like to just put it on a screen. In this world, you'll have trouble. Anybody want to say, I know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, come on, this is reality. And we're talking about God is greater than all that we face and all that we fear. And today I want to talk about the fact that God is greater than our disappointments in life when they come to us. But take heart, he said, I've overcome the world. Uh, it would be foolish of me to ask this question, but since I did at 8 o'clock, they told me I needed to ask you as well. Um, how many of you have ever been disappointed, you know? You go to the restaurant and you look at the menu, you look at the picture, <laughs> and when it comes, I mean, I, I want you to know this, the other day I was in McDonald's getting a dollar coffee because for a buck you can get any size you want, anything in it, it's a pretty good deal. And they have the pictures now on video, I mean they're just beautiful, high res pictures. And they showed a picture of a Big Mac. And I said this, no no, no exaggeration, this is not preacherism here, I'm just telling you the truth. I said to the guy, I said, that's not the Big Mac you have here. <laughs> because every bit of lettuce was beautiful and the cheese was melting and it was so tall. Ever been disappointed? You're driving down the highway and all of a sudden you hear th, th-, 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 th- and you know what that is. It means you gotta stop the car and figure out all that stuff in the way back with the little package. You gotta get the jack out, you know, and you've you've got an SUV that weighs 9,000 pounds on one side, and you've gotta lift the thing, and you know that little jack's not gonna work. Um, I helped a lady a few years ago, she gets her jack out, I'm trying to help her, and every time we went about this high. the the, the screw gear slipped and it went back down. We were there for a long time and I'm sweating profusely on the side of the road and a CHP stopped and you know what they said, do you know what you're doing? I said, yes, I do, but it's not working. And so they called somebody to come and help her in her disappointment. Yeah. Not me, her. Yeah. And sometimes the disappointment in life... um, Bring something greater than we can face, greater than we understand, greater than we know. And uh, I just want to remind you of an incredible verse in Romans 5.20. Somebody needs this verse today. But as people sin more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. It's in the darkness that we understand the power of light. It's, it's It's in this hatred that we understand the power of love. And the list goes on and on. So if you have a Bible, you'll want to go to Psalm 77 today. We're going to talk about the lament, which is a fancy word for whining. The whining of a man named Asaph, A-S-A-P-H. We're going to talk about the fact that none of us, none of us are immune from disappointment or discouragement. None of us. It's as common as a common cold. And either you're in the middle of a disappointment you're coming out of one, or you're about to go into one, sorry, that's just part of life. That's why Jesus said, you will have trouble. He doesn't say you might have trouble, maybe someday, possibly you might have trouble. Remember, he's qualified to make that statement because he walked into our trouble. When he was born in Bethlehem, we were in trouble. Uh, The sin virus that we talked about last Sunday had taken over. The host carrier, Adam, had infected all of us with sin, and so we're in trouble, and he comes to this troubled world. As he meets people, he meets troubled people. And he meets people who want to judge people and throw rocks at people and uh, you know, crucify people for what they've done. And if it's not enough disappointment, it's like I just mentioned to you, you know, in our prayer. you got one fire, and another one breaks out, and another one breaks out. And here's what I know about all these fires, because I'm, I'm, I'm trained. They don't come with warnings. Tomorrow at 12 noon, there will be a fire. At 13.08 military time, there will be... They don't come that way. Cancer doesn't come and knock on your door and say, oh, by the way, three years from now, in six days, I will be here. I mean, disappointments come by phone calls or by text or by Facebook or by just their own time. And disappointment lives in the gap between our hope in your notes and our expectations and our reality we have this gap. I'm moving ahead, Stephen. Sorry, I'm going real fast because I have a nine-hour sermon. I'm trying to get to it. Thank you. Disappointment is in the gap between our hope and ex- our expectations and our reality. I mean, you expected more out of your marriage, and this is, this is what you got. Sorry. You expected more from your son or your daughter, but somehow alcohol and drugs gripped them and took them away from you, the hopes that you had for them. Like a young man years ago in our church said, said, you know, the only place I can really find love and community is in a gang. And he joined a gang, and, and his parents showed me his Facebook page. On one side, he was holding a bottle of whiskey, and the other side, he was holding a loaded gun. That was his profile on his Facebook, asking for people to be his friend. And his parents were devastated by the disappointment that that caused in their lives. Disappointments lives... In the gap between what we hoped for, what we believed in, what we expected, and the reality that we are living in right now. So, Psalm 77 is probably written when Israel was in exile about 600, 587 years or so to 600 years before Christ comes. Israel has no home. They have no roots. They have no place to call their own. And Asaph is carrying this disappointment in his life. Some scholars believe that he's carrying the disappointment of all of Israel, not only his own. But whatever may be true, we know that he is going to tell God how bad things are. And that's the first thing I want to give you this morning as a suggestion, is that when things go bad, go to God with your disappointment. It's okay to go to friends. It's okay to go to Facebook, if that's what you've got to do. Stay off the LawPoke forum, however. Sorry, I said it last service and somebody's going to get mad at me, but that's okay. Um, somebody actually showed me that recently. Stay off the lump of the forum. Because uh, anybody can post all the gobbledygook they want. I know freedom of speech, Pastor. I get it. But when you're in disappointment, you don't need naysayers to be talking to you. When you're going through the discouragement of life, you don't need other discouraged people to put their, excuse my Latin, poop on your parade. You've you got to find people who can say, wait a minute now, I'm your friend. And I know that... Life may be horrible right now, but God is with you. You need somebody who put their hand on your shoulder and say, Jesus bless you right now. The Jesus that said, I will be with you in the middle of, of trouble, it's okay for you to be of good cheer, even in the middle of your circumstance, because God is, is greater than. I heard that somewhere. Psalm 77, 1-3. Here he is, Asaph. I cried out to the Lord. I cried to God for help. I cried out to God to hear me when I was in trouble. I looked to the Lord for help during the night. And I even lifted up my hands in prayer. By the way, he's lifting them now because that's what he used to do. You ever lift your hands like in worship and you're thinking about what's for lunch? Come on. You ever lifted your hands? Okay, because Paul's up here singing. Oh, I'll help the bro. Okay, I I hope he's done soon because my team is about to start kickoff, you know? And... So he's going through the motions, but notice this last phrase. Would you read it with me? But I, but I, which means that comfort was available to him. Someone was speaking comfort into his soul. The Holy Spirit was bringing comfort, and he said, I'm going to refuse it right now because my disappointment is all I know, and I refuse to be comforted. Let me tell you, when you need comfort, don't refuse it. When you need God's blessing, don't refuse it. When you need the Holy Spirit to bring the peace of Christ that passes all understanding, don't refuse it. Say, I feel a little trickle of of some help coming my way. Don't refuse it. Well, this is a story that I have. See, we need to address disappointment as it comes. And say, here it is. Call it for what it is. And then allow God's Holy Spirit to touch you. The Psalms are so great because they're, they're written like over 2,500 years ago. And I'm reading them this week and they're like as fresh to me as anything. That's why I love the Word of God. That's why I love the Bible. The B-I-B-L-E, that's the book for me. Okay, good. God doesn't desire perfect or clean prayers. He desires our truthful prayers. What is ASAP praying? He says, Lord, Lord, I got my hands up. I don't want to have them up. And I know comfort's coming, God, but I don't even want it. I I love the honesty. I don't know this man, but I love the honesty of this man. Over 2,500 years ago, he says, you know, life is really horrible. And I think it begs the question, and and I know I'm going to be all over the map this morning, but you're so smart, you can keep up with me. Isn't that great? Uh, How will disappointment shape you? Because even though God doesn't cause the disappointment or the discouragement, he will still build something in your life. And I'm not foolish enough to say all things work together for good when someone needs comfort, Romans 8.28. But I am profound enough to say that all things work together for good, Romans 8.28. That if you try to bring Romans 8.28 to someone who's in a disaster or a falling apart marriage or a disappointment in their life or the job has ended or the promotion was not theirs, or the flat tire on the freeway, they're late for an important meeting, whatever it might be, where you could stop and say, God didn't cause that, but he's going to use that to shape you somehow, because that's what he does. He's always chiseling away at us. He's always trying to make us more like his son Jesus. And somebody said to me once, well, I know what Christianity is all about. It's it's where you ask God to forgive your sins, you you get forgiven, then you die and go to heaven. But there's something in between that. It's where he's trying to make us more like Jesus all the time, and what's interesting to think about, you know, we're we're still camped in Psalm seventy-seven, but you could go back three psalms to Psalm seventy-four, and, and, and you would catch this 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 point here. It's the second point that disappointment can become an emotional downward spiral, and somebody could say, "Duh," where all your emotions are gripped, and the darkness overtakes the light in your soul. And back three psalms before Psalm 77 and Psalm 74, he says, God, why have you turned your back on us for so long? This is a lament now of the community for sure. Why are you so angry with us? Do you know who we are, God? We are your sheep. Did you forget that you said you'd be our shepherd? Do you forget that? What's wrong with you, God? I just thought I'd tell you the the raw part of the prayer here. Remember the nation that you chose as, as your own so long ago? Remember that you set us free from slavery to be your very own people. God, have you forgotten who you are? That's what he's saying. Now, in the Latin or the Greek, if this was a New Testament uh, thing, it would be in Greek. Or how about in the Hebrew? Let me just tell you what this word means. Life sucketh. (laughs) That's what he's saying. So there, God, that's my assessment of my life. You know? And then in verse 3 and 4 of Psalm 77. So God, I remembered you and I... Come on. If you have never groaned, if you have never groaned, and I thought about you, and I became weak, and watch this. You kept me from going to sleep. It's your fault that I have insomnia. But it's my fault I have amnesia. I forgot how great you really are. And you, it's you that kept me from going to sleep. I was so troubled I couldn't even talk. Nothing else to say. So now I'm groaning. Uh, nothing else to say. The downward spiral can become disappointment. And I'm not a psychologist, but I'm going to throw my hat in the ring. Disappointment, discouragement, depression, and then what? Despair. You know what despair is? It's the absence of God-filled hope. It's when your ship is taking on water, and the bilge pump ain't working, and you got those little Clorox buckets, and you're trying to. If you ever fishing, you're trying to get rid of the water in your life, and what usually happens here? is we get stuck. And I don't know if you've ever... Good <laughs> timing, Stephen. Yeah. By the way, in the corner is the cat in the hat, and this kid's lost his hat, and he got stuck. What, and and we got some more for you. I don't know how this happened, but it happened. Just think about it. This is where you get the jaws, you bring the... And his mom's, his mom's looking at him saying, you ain't so cute, you know. Uh, go to the next one, buddy. This is a kid... The teacher, the teacher was trying to tell the parents that your kid's out of control in class, and they said, not our child. Our child's perfect. And then he got stuck in a chair. That's a school chair, and yeah, take him to the ER where they have a sign, and then this kid, I got, I got no more to say about him, you know? And At least he's got the soap there to try to help him get out, you know? He's got to clean up a mess he made, I have no doubt. Hey, years ago, ago I I went kayaking. Uh, I spent a couple of different Mondays, and we went kayaking. This is is not me, but I have this picture because this is up at the Pismo Caves. And so I went went kayaking on a Monday morning. Um, My wife and daughter went up there and dropped me off, and I just got in a boat with a bunch of people and got my wetsuit on, believe it or not. I actually got into one, and uh, they tried to harpoon me out there. But anyway... (laughs) I put on the vest and the helmet, and we went to the caves. And everybody in our group was novice. Everyone. When we went to the caves, the caves were kind of quiet, and the water was okay, and we went in, it was pretty cool. We went out around, we, we shot the wave, and then we went back into the cave. And the third time we went in, um, all of us capsized. All of us. And uh, I, I know a little about kayaking, like this much, that, that when you get on the kayak, it's belly but feet, you got your belly on it first, then you turn around, and you get your butt on it, your feet. Because I, I had the lesson. I had the 10-minute lesson on how to be a kayak expert. <laughs> belly, butt, feet, belly, butt, feet, belly, butt. And I, I told myself that. <laughs> so I got my belly on the kayak, and it's a big kayak, and I'm, 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 I'm doing okay. And then the wave came and slammed me into the rock underneath the cave. And... Uh, I told the, the, the guide, hey, can you help me? And he said these great words. You're on your own. <laughs> I've got all these other novices. And then he said later to me, in the echo of the cave, women, 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 get help, 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 first, first, first. <laughs> and I said, not today, please. And... <laughs> He's helping these ladies, and all of a sudden he gets them all on the kayak, and I go, He's gonna come rescue me. And a wave comes and knocks them all off again. (laughs) This this went on and on for about 12 times. Poor guy, man. His energy is trying to get these people on the kayak and get them out. Now I am slammed against the back of the cave. I've been waiting for like three years to share this story in a sermon. And finally, I found one I think it might fit. If it doesn't fit, just let it go anyway, because I have to tell you my story. Um, Obviously, I'm here. I made it out alive. But I was thinking about you, (laughs) because my kayak ended up on a little beach, just a little small beach in the cave. And as many of you experts, oceanographers, and marine biologists know, that as the day progresses, the tide rises, and it was rising. And now what I thought was a way to get out was just filled with water and and you're going to say, hey, Pastor, I've been in those caves. There's nothing to it. Not that day. We were, having, we were having tsunami that day, rogue waves that day. And now my energy is gone. And I'm trying to do belly, butt, feet. And I'm serious. I am serious. I have no cell phone. The guide has a cell phone, but he's now out with the ladies. They're out of the caves. I have nobody. My cell phone's in my car, in my wife's car, actually, and she's somewhere in St. Louis while I'm at Pismo. And I go, I, I, I was, I was going to call a jet ski to come rescue me, but I have no way to communicate. And finally, I get on the kayak, and I go, Lord, you've got to help me get out of this cave. And I, get out of the, I finally get out of the cave, and these stupid dolphins came. <laughs> I said, if you knock me over, <laughs> you're gonna be in a tuna can tonight, man. I don't, I don't care if we're supposed to kill you or not, you know? And then while I'm going back, cause what happens in that moment, all your adrenaline is going and you're thinking about shock and everything else. And I knew for sure between there and the landing and the stairs out of Pismo, that I was gonna get eaten by a shark. That was what I was thinking. And I go, you know, what? that's what happens to you when you're in a discouraged place and you don't know if you can get back on the boat and you don't know if God even cares that you're in the cave. And I was praying in the cave in English, in tongues, in Hebrew, <laughs> in Spanglish, you know. <laughs> Gloria a Dios, al la Señor. <laughs> Bienvenidos acá, amigo. Come, come help me. I mean, whatever I had, I just, God, please Come. And if you've never been in a please show up, Lord, because I'm stuck kind of moment, then you don't know what I'm talking about. You know, David was was not stuck, however. He's looking at Goliath the giant in the middle of the valley. And and Goliath's a big dude, and he's won, and he's defied the armies of Israel. And and here's what David teaches us in the middle of, of his darkest moment. He said to the giant, to the issue he faced, you come to me with sword and spear and javelin, But I come to you in the name of the Lord. I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. Where is God in the midst of your disappointment, in the midst of your circumstances, in the midst of your cave? He's right there with you. And I still believe to this day, you could disagree and be wrong, I still believe that it was God that helped me finally get enough inertia to get my big self on the kayak, you know? When I was a little kid, and disappointment came, my mom, bless her, would say to me these, these, these wonderful words. She had a way to soothe my soul. And remember, she's Italian, Northern Italian, so she said, better not. Let's go get ice cream. I mean, it was always a great, <laughs> it was always a great soothing thing. And we lived a block away, a block and a half away from 31 Flavors in the Burbank Glendale borderline. It was a headquarters store. They made the ice cream right next door. That was the plant, and I swear to you, it tastes better than any other 31s because it's made right there next door. And I would get a scoop of, I shouldn't talk about food in church, but a <laughs> scoop of chocolate mint or a scoop of bubblegum ice cream, the kind of bubblegum, three chews, and it's no good. And, and I, would, I would let that melt on my hand, and I would lick the ice cream, and I would hold my mom's hand, and I would watch, walk home with her and it was like any disappointment was fixed with her hand and 31 Flavors. That's why I'm like this today. (laughs) But as I've gotten older, ice cream don't fix it. You with me? As I've gotten older, we got people who sometimes think that the bottle is the answer or drugs are the answer, But here's what I want you to hear. This is a lesson. Don't allow your faith in God to get swallowed up by your circumstances. Don't allow the fact that maybe your life is slamming against the rocks right now, or maybe you're on a kayak and you can't get out, or you can't get on the kayak. And here's another lesson I've learned in the last few weeks. Don't change your theology because of humanity. I was sitting at my desk, and I, and I said, I want to write something to the church, and this is this is what I'm writing to you. Don't change your theology because of humanity. I mean, somebody could be a bad boss to you, right? Somebody could be a bad neighbor to you. Somebody could even be a bad spouse to you, or a bad mom to you, or a bad dad to you. And we could say, God, then you must be weak. God, you must have no power. God... You said you you said you would help us, God, like Asaph says. And where are you, Lord? What, what's, what's going on? And because people are bad and because people are evil and because, because people do disobedient things, we can't have that change our view of God. Because God is a God of grace and purity and love and life and understanding, and he's the God who brings us comfort that we need to receive in those moments. And then he said in Psalm 77, we're back to Asaph now, he says... I, I, I. By the way, by the way, in the first verses of Psalm 77, he uses the pronoun I nine times, which leads me to believe that he's consumed with his circumstance. It's all about me. It's, it's all about, and I've said this to you so many times at church, it's not all about this and it's not all about now. God is greater than whatever you're facing today, and that's not just preacher stuff. That's truth. That's truth. He said, You kept me from going to sleep. We've been there already. We talked about that. I remembered how I used to sing praise in the night. I thought about it. And so here's what I began to ask myself. And I think it's the question I want to ask you. Number three God, are you truly greater than my disappointment? You have to wrestle with that. Whenever you face something bad, whenever you face a difficulty, whenever something just doesn't go your way, or worse than that, somebody does something to you that you could not prevent. I love what Alexander McLaren, the the commentator, said on this passage. He said, sorrow is like a beast of prey. It devours at night, and every sad heart knows how eyelids, however weary, refuse to close upon a weary eye, which gaze wide open into the blackness and see dreadful things there. This man, says McLaren, believed it was God that forced his eyelids open and said, you're not letting me sleep, God. What's wrong with you? But God, are you truly greater than my disappointment? That needs to be asked. Will you turn away from us forever? Psalm 77, verse 7 to 9. Won't you ever show us your kindness again? Has his faithful love disappeared forever? Has his promise failed for all time? Has God forgotten to help us? Has he held back his tender love because he's angry with us? And depending on the version you read, Asaph fires off six deep questions. And they're all about, are you there? What's up with you, God? Life sucketh, right? I think I said that earlier. But I have to tell you this because I've read the story of Asaph. Whatever you're going through right now will not last forever. That God will somehow see you through the disappointment of your life. And if you listen, there are people around you, good people, strong people, Christian people, Christian family members who will help you through your darkest hour. And what they will do the most is not give you great advice, though that's okay. What they will do the most is remind you that you have a great God who is with you, who will never leave you or forsake you or even let go just a little bit. He's right there in the middle of whatever you face. Remember, number four, God's greatness. This is changing our perspective and adjusting our focus off of the disappointment and refocusing on the one who is greater than. And you can fill in the blank. What's he greater than? He's greater than, and you fill in the blank, whatever it is that you're facing. In Psalm 77, verse 10, 12, and 16, I want you to read this with me if you can. Let's read it with our best 1019, Pastor Hurry Up voice. Okay, (laughs) then I thought, here is what, hope, for many years the Most High God showed how powerful He is. Lord, I will remember what You did. Yes, I will remember Your miracles of long ago. I will spend time thinking about everything You have done. And here's the key. I will consider all your mighty acts. God, the water of the Red Sea saw you. It saw you and it boiled up. The deepest waters were stirred. Here's the key to moving forward in your disappointment. And it's free with the price of admission. I just want to give it to you. When you're going through the tough stuff of life, when life sucketh, stop and think about all the goodness of God all the good things he had done, that's what Asaph started to do here. I forgot, Lord, to remember what you had done. You know, the other day I was thinking about God and how good he's been to me. I mean, I live on the Central Coast. This is where people come to vacation. You didn't know that, you know? And then I started to think about, about, about the day I asked Debbie to marry me. She could have said no. And I started thinking how, how privileged I am to have her as my wife and, and my kids and and my grandkids, and I, I started thinking, you know, about just how wonderful it is that, that, to have my granddaughter Kylie, and she was out playing soccer yesterday, and I watched her play, and she scored a goal. Woo! And it was great, you know, Grandpa's <laughs> out there being they need to cart me out because I'm a little wild. And, uh, and Peyton ran 49-yard touchdown. and you know, I mean, come on, you know And I thought about all that is right with the world, because we have a great God. And here's Asaph, and he's starting to rehearse in his mind about the time of the Red Sea. You remember the story, right? Right? I don't got to tell you about the Red Sea. And Moses leads him to the edge, and, and they're all like, there you go, Mo. Thanks a lot, big guy. You led us right here, and Pharaoh and his armies are behind us, and there's no hope. And all of a sudden, the Red Sea parts. You know, years ago, I was reading about people that are trying to disprove all the miracles in the Bible. And one of the things that they said was, archaeologists have proven that the Red Sea was only a foot deep at that time. Big miracle. And I had somebody actually come with a paper and say, Do you know what they say? They say the Red Sea was only a foot deep when, when, when Israel crossed. Big whoop. And I said, yes, it's a miracle. He said, no, it's not. I mean, crossing on a foot deep. I said, no, Pharaoh and all his armies drowned in a foot deep of water. There's your miracle. I mean, come on. Yeah. If I was a preacher, we'd have fun on that, you know. And these people had been in slavery for 400 years, and God redeems and rescues a million of them, and they all cross on dry ground. And then he rehearses, Asaph does, the story of 40 years later when, when the red, not the Red Sea, 40 years later, the Jordan River crossing. You guys remember the story? It's a flood stage; it's over the banks. Joshua 3:15 says the water of the Jordan was going over its banks. It always does at the time. The crops are being gathered. And the priest came to the river. And the minute the priest came, these were the guys who worshipped the Lord and sacrificed to God for the people. These are the pastors. They had to go in first. Come on. And think about it. You would have been a priest. It's like, okay, we're walking in. You know, and it's flooding. And, and their feet touched the water. And what happened? Right away, the water, come on, coming down from the river stopped flowing. It piled up as far as a town called Adam And the water flowing down from the Dead Sea was completely cut off. So the people went across, what? The Jordan River opposite, come on, Jericho. And that's important. Uh, By the way, Adam is 19 miles away from where they crossed. And somebody needs to hear this. It was 19 miles away that God was at work blocking the river, damming up the river. In front of them, all they could see was, it's still flooded. In front of them, all they could see was their problem, their situation, their circumstance, their disappointment. But God was at work somewhere that they could not see his work. And I just need to remind you in a time of disappointment, you don't need this today. File this. Come on, you're going to need this someday. You're going to call me and say, you remember that sermon? Yeah, just file it. And Just uh, you know, go to iTunes and lock it in somehow so you'll have this in the future because here's what I want you to hear today. That somewhere up the river from your life right now, upstream from your life, God is at work and you can't see it in the immediate. So don't allow the report in front of you to become the final word. Let me just say it again. Don't allow the report in front of you to become the final word. It may be all you see for now, but it's not all there is because, because God is at work. And these people couldn't see it. And it was changing Asaph as he remembered the Red Sea and as he remembered the Jordan crossing. Philip Yancey says that faith means believing in advance, but will only make sense in reverse. That I believe for God to to, to heal my family. I, I believe for God to heal me. I believe for God to take care of my kids. I believe for God to to watch over us. I believe for God to send His light in the middle of our darkness. And we're going to believe it even if we don't see it, because faith means believing in advance what will only make sense in reverse. And last week I said this seven times in the sermon, and I can't tell you how many people have shared this, have texted this, have Facebooked this, have told their friends about this, and here's what it is. That your disaster is not your destiny. Your disaster is not your destiny. Somebody says, well, I'm addicted, I'll always be addicted, and I'm just going to say your disaster is not your destiny. Somebody treated you poorly, your disaster is not your destiny. You look at the middle of the flood going on, and God says, okay, get across the river, and you say, God, I can't get across the river. Or you're stuck in a cave in your kayak, belly, butt, feet, belly... You're doing everything you know to do. Pray, read your Bible, worship. Pray, read your Bible, worship. And and don't forget the tithe, you know, pray, read your Bible... (laughs) Worship and don't forget the tie. You know you're doing everything you know to do, and you can't get on the boat. And you're afraid, actually, that you might die in a cave. And I thought about the headline while I was in that cave: Pastor Drowns in Cave. (laughs) And you'd all be here. Some guest speaker would be here to tell you that I died in the cave, and you all you all say the same thing: What was he doing in a cave? (laughs) What was he doing on a kayak? What was he doing in the ocean? And somehow, my disaster of that moment obviously wasn't my destiny. You might go, Pastor, you're belittling my, my, my disaster right now. I'm not. I'm just trying to tell you that God is still with you. And in Psalm 77, 13 and 14, he says, God, everything you do is holy. That's a far cry from saying life sucketh. He's transitioned from his pain to rehearsing the greatness of God to receiving the promise that God is still with us. To now being able to say, God, everything you do is holy. What God is as great as our God? When he just said in the earlier verse, I don't want to receive any comfort from you. Now he's starting to say, God, but you're great. And even though it doesn't feel like he should be praising God, he's praising God. You are great. You are the God who does miracles. You show your power among the nations. You are there for us and, and the children of Israel. Even though, even though we're in exile right now, we know What you've done in the past. And here's my little assignment for you. All of us should go home and start writing down all the great things we have. All the great things God has done for us. It should just be good for us to have and put it in a book. Because when the darkness comes, you'll take your book out and that's when you'll remember it. Somebody who says, I should never graduated high school. And you did. Write that down. Someone says, I had a coach who reached out to me and and, and served me in a time where I I, I didn't even think I was worth anything. Somebody gave me my first job. Somebody said, come on, you intern with me, and now I make a lot of money, more than I should make, let's be real, more than I should make because somebody invested in my life. Or we didn't have a house, and now we have a house. Or we were homeless, and now we have a place to live. We didn't have a car, and, and now we have a car. And Sometimes the tire goes flat, but that's only a disappointment. We still have a car. And, and and we have kids. If you have kids, I mean, you should go home tonight and thank God you got kids. Go in and like smother your kids with with with, with love and affection. Give them a candy bar and tell them and and, and tell them I thank God that you're in my life because you're a miracle. I thank God you're with me. We have people in this church that couldn't have kids, and all of a sudden, through the miracle power of God, they had a kid. And I'll tell you, there's days that they don't. They wish they didn't have a kid because the kid. <laughs> The kid cost them too much emotionally or too much financially. But I I think we need to stop and start looking around and saying, God, thank you for what we have. You're sitting in a sanctuary that the city told us we could not build. I went over with my blueprints under my hand. Oh, me of great faith. And they said, you don't have enough land. You don't have enough parking. It's it's never going to happen. Pastor, find another place. And you're sitting in it. It's not because I, I got great faith, because I, I remember, and every morning I drive here, I go, God, these people, some of them don't even know the story. They just like the fact we have air conditioning. <laughs> 75,000 bucks worth, but we're, they're glad we have it. They're not even thinking about it. They, they, they don't know about the nuts and screws and the bolts. And, and I was here every day when this was being built, every single day. And sometimes it was a pain in the you-know-what. And sometimes people didn't show up on time, and sometimes people did shoddy work, and sometimes I had to... Talk to people about their shoddy work. And, and I lived it. And I lived it. But boy, I'll tell you, every morning I drive down the street here, I'm glad you could fit here. By the way, you would not fit in our own sanctuary. Not even half of you this morning. Not even, not even well, about a third of you. And the rest of you would have to say, see you later. Go find another church. And you shouldn't because like, I'm the best pastor around. It, so, No, no, no. I'm just kidding. Yeah, you love me now. But anyway... <laughs> But something happened in Asaph's thinking and in his theology. This is the God who is amazing. If it's evil, it's not God. If it's sinful, it's not God. If it's dark, it's not God. If it's hateful, it's not God. God is good all the time. And Asaph is releasing, realizing how great God is. But it, but it's so good, I can't let you leave yet. i got to tell you the, the rest of the story. It's in the next chapter, Psalm 78. Now, he's come from Psalm 74 where he's lamenting. He all works up to Psalm 77. And now in Psalm 78, <clears throat> my people, listen to my teaching. I mean, just a psalm ago, he says, God, life sucketh and, and there's no hope. And, and you keep my eyes open at night. I can't sleep. Pay attention to what I say. I'm going to open my mouth and I'm going to all tell you a story. Everybody listen. He says, I speak about the things that were hidden. They happened a long time ago. We've heard about them and we know them. But somehow he's saying we forgot them. Our people who lived before us have told us about them. We won't hide them from our kids. We're going to tell our kids. And by the way, we're going to tell those who are after them, the next generation, how great our God is. We will tell them what the Lord has done, that he is worthy of our praise. Wow, what a change from the chapter before. And what made that change? Well, we will talk about his power and the wonderful things that he has done. What made that change from refusing to receive comfort to now standing up like a preacher and saying, well, let me me tell you what God does. You know, let me tell you how great he is. If you take disappointment and you add trust in God, you'll have a testimony. That's what he had. He took his disappointment, he added trust in God, he has a testimony. By the way, I didn't find this in a book. I found it this last week. If you have disappointment, listen, and you trust in God, you're going to stand up in Psalm 78 and you're going to have a testimony and you're going to walk around and say to people, let me, let me tell you what I know about my God. Let me tell you about the greatness of Oh my God. Let me tell you about a God who maybe you can't see him working today, but he's working upstream for you. Let me tell you about a God who got my pastor out of a cave. <laughs> I believe he did. God is at work. And my question is, is he greater than our disappointment? And my answer is yes. But you don't know that if you live in the disappointment. You have to live in the comfort of knowing the God that he is and what he's done for you. Take my homework challenge, will you? Put it on and write, write all the things. Just write in a book somewhere. File it somewhere. Put it on your desktop, on your computer. Just This is the greatness of God. Just, just write it. Just write it. I don't deserve my job. I don't deserve my health. I don't deserve... But here's what God's done for me. Because someday you're going to need to get it out. And you get your family around you and say, Hey, wait, 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 wait. Time out, everybody. Look at how good God's been to us. Look, look at how we got you here and looking at your kids. We got, we got this. We got that. And take a look at it. Thank you for listening to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. To find out more about Lompoc Foursquare Church or to watch us live online, please visit mylfc.com.